Hello, Upgradians. I have a note before we get started today. We had hoped that this was going to be our first regular episode, but there was one slight wrinkle that we didn't think was going to be a problem. Jason is traveling today as we usually record on Monday the 8th. So we recorded Sunday the 7th. We came in on our weekend, like, we'll do the show. We'll make sure everybody has a new episode of Upgrade for them. However, we now have Vision Pro pre-order information. So beginning on January 19th is when you'll be able to order this thing. It's on sale from February 2nd. Apple says they're going to be available in all U.S. Apple stores starting at $34.99 for a 256-gigabyte model. It will come with two head straps, the one we've seen, and another with a top strap that me and Jason got to use when we tried them on in June. The Zeiss lenses will start at $99 for readers and $199 for prescription. Why am I telling you this? Well, as you can imagine... Big chunks of today's episode are us pontificating on when and how the Vision Pro would be announced and put on sale. So we had to pre-record this segment. We hope that you will be able to enjoy it. There's still a bunch of stuff in there that's post the launch frame and talking about what will happen for the rest of the year. So still tons of stuff in there, but you will get to be able to enjoy and maybe grade us on just how right or how wrong we are on how we thought this thing was going to be announced. I will say from my perspective, big surprise that they announced it with a press release and when this thing is going to be going on sale. No more information than that as of right now. We'll be back to normal next week to break down all of this news. Please enjoy today's episode. From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 494 for January 8, 2024. Today's show is brought to you by Factor, Vitally, and Nom Nom. My name is Mike Hurley. I'm joined by Jason Snow, and welcome to the January Upgradies. That's what we're doing. It's what? all Upgradies all the time. All the time? All the time. No. Uh, let's shorten it to just like Upgrade. We'll call it just Upgrade. All right, that's short. good. Well, we'll just award every piece of news. Uh, that's what we're going to do now. Uh-huh. Now we're back to normal now. Uh, thank you to everybody who has checked was. out our December episodes. We had the weirdest scheduling with both a Christmas Day mm-hmm. and New Year's Day uh, episode, and uh, I think we did a good job. People seem to really enjoy the episodes, and I'm yeah. very happy that we made it all work. Yeah, I mean, as a Monday show, we had we had multiple holidays plus travel. There was a lot going on there, mm-hmm. and uh, so we. It was weird, though, because we we did essentially record two and a half episodes in a two-day period. Yep. So that was there was a lot, and then there was nothing. Yep. And we it's have definitely part of my... recorded since December 18th, which is very strange yeah. for us. It is. It's very weird. But uh, we're back now. Mm, we are indeed. Just like and that. we're back with all of the trimmings that you expect, including a Snell Talk question. This snow talk comes from Ryan, who wants to know, Jason, how do you keep track of the books that you want to read? Oh, books that I want to read. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, oh, I wish I could say I have a system. Um, yeah. My system is is generally one of two things. I start with Libby, which is a fantastic iOS app that works with OverDrive, which um, basically if you have a library card, uh, and if you don't, you should get one for your local library. You can um, do ebooks from your library, and Libby is the interface for that. And and if you have multiple libraries, and you may find that there are multiple libraries that you're allowed to, you you don't 
you're not limited. It's not like voting where you can only vote in one place. You can actually sign up for multiple libraries. And and sometimes there are even reciprocal library agreements. I actually am logged into four different library systems in my Libby, which is a little confusing, but I'm eligible for all four. So I have all four. Uh, anyway, so great thing about that is that I hear about a book and I can search for it. And if they've got it, I can either borrow it right then and read it on any device I want. Or I can, if, if it's not ready, I can wish list it. And if I'm not ready to read it right now, but I want to remember it, I tag it in Libby. Libby has a tagging feature and I have a, I want this book tag mm. that I'll put on it. And that allows me to look later and say, oh, here are books, here are library books that I wanted to read at some point. And you know, then I can put myself... Like if they're available right then, I can be like, oh, well, I'll just check it out right now and read it. And uh, and so that's really great. If it's not available in the library or I want to read it right now and it's not available in the library for months, then um, I will usually just go to Kobo. Since my primary reader is a Kobo, I'll just go to Kobo.com generally and buy it. And then it's on my device. So I sort of have two places to look for books when I'm deciding what I want to read. I have my e-reader itself, and I have Libby on my iPad or iPhone. And those are the places that I get my books. Libby is never not weird to me. Like I, un- I understand it, but I still don't can't fully get my head around the idea of like library e-books. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's really kind of amazing. So if you have a Kindle. You check out the book and you ch- you choose send to Kindle and it opens a web page and you basically say, okay, you log in if you're not logged into Amazon and say, okay, and it just shows up on your Kindle. Um, with Kobo, my Kobo is logged into one of the libraries. So with Kobo, right. um, I just check it out and sync the Kobo and it just shows up on, I mean, on next sync, whether I sync it or not. So that's, and it's just there. And then it's got an expiration date. It will take it, you know, 21 days later, it will, it will take it away from you if you haven't finished oh, wow. it. And on, on the Kobo, when you get to the end, it actually says, would you like to return the book now? And you say yes. And it connects to Libby and it, boop, or overdrive and it, and it, and it checks it back in for you. And then you can even download it um, to your computer using Adobe Digital Editions, which is a very bad piece of software, but it will sync with e-readers too. So the other way to do it is you can download the file on your computer and then sync it that way. And that also works. So there's lots of different ways to do it. It's, it's actually not that more complicated than checking out, than buying a book somewhere. Yeah. Overdrive is a weird name for a library app. Libby is a good name. Overdrive, mm. that doesn't tell me what it is at all. Yeah. You know? So the service the service is called Overdrive, and they're mm. sort of, I think, stuck with it. But And they used to have an Overdrive app, but they created Libby as an app. And I Libby think for Libby. the reason that you just suggested, yeah. which is it's actually for a library-branded, friendly, consumer-facing library thing, Libby is a, a, a good name for an app. What's the name for that library book app? Overdrive. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just because you might, you know, need to go into overdrive. I don't. I don't know why it's go like that. Over, go overdrive. You know, some brand names don't make are not the, the best. Very true. Like there's the uh, the library also offers a uh, a bunch of video stuff, including movies and things that you can mm. get from your local library that are digital, and that's usually on Hoopla, which is a thing that is a name that doesn't say anything about anything. So Libby, in the grand scheme of things... You know what? To, I, here's the thing. It would not surprise me if getting streaming video from the library is a bit of a hoopla. You know? Ah, uh, it is. In fact, it is 100% hoopla. There you go. So maybe they, that one, they actually ch- 
chose the name correctly. But Libby, um, and and Hoopla, I think you have like a limited number of movies you can check out in a month or something like that. But yeah. Libby, it's just like you know, you read the book and then turn it back in and then read another book. It's once I got in the habit and as I realized just the yeah the support that the e-readers have, I highly recommend it. If you or even if you're reading on like a, a on your iPhone, I mean. You can actually read in the Libby app, or you can send it to the Kindle if and read it in the Kindle app. There's lots of different options. It's co- pretty amazing. So ch- check in with your local and regional libraries. Find out where you can get a card and see who's got overdrive. I highly this episode it. brought to you by libraries. Libraries, they're your friends. Thank you to Ryan for that snow talk question. If you would like to send in a send in a question to help us open a future episode of the show, go to upgradefeedback.com where you can submit one. I have some follow-up for you, Jason Snow. I will say today mm, is an lots episode of where lots I think by and large we are going to be covering what has been going on over the last few weeks while we've been doing we, giving it, out awards. It's been a month yeah. since we addressed current events. Let's I put it also that way. wasn't on the last regular episode. So... Which is right because that was John Syracusa. Yeah, or was I? No, I came back one. Never mind, it doesn't matter. Anyway, follow up Killers of the Flower Moon is mm-hmm. debuting on Apple TV Plus on January 12th. So, yes, we have a date. If you now. decided to wait, like I did, just uh, in the end, I was just procrastinating. Now I'll be able to watch this movie for quote unquote free next weekend, which I'm looking yeah, forward to. In two installments, probably, we're, we're going to do the oh, same. It, yeah. It's going to. It's it's going to get lots of Oscar well, nominations, everybody. I, I'll watch it in one go. But with breaks. Three and a half hours. Yeah, well, okay, that, that'll also work. Right, so I did with The Irishman, you know, where it's like, take a break. We just did our our annual, um, it, well, it's not annual. We just did our, our recurring family event when Jamie was visiting us, too. We were all here, and we did the Six Nights of the Lord of the Rings, mm. where we watched the extended editions Oh boy! Which on disc, and we—I actually have the 4K H, you know, HDR Ultra HD, whatever is the Blu-ray that I bought after yeah, I went really to cool. New Zealand. Yep. Um, the uh, it's great. So you watch those extended editions; they're super long, but they they break in the middle. Mm. Um, and you watch one half a night for six nights, and uh, it was a lot of fun. So I, I, the intermission—they don't make movies with intermissions anymore, but that was a a good kind of like set by the filmmakers intermission process. And I, I, yeah. I sometimes I wonder if, if uh, for something like killers of the flower moon, if Martin Scorsese could like offer it in two forms, like with an intermission and without an intermission. But I guess for most people, the pause button is the intermission. Yeah. I just, I like, I kind of like the idea of the filmmaker saying, actually, this would be a good time to go to the bathroom. If you want, you can pause it here. This is an appropriate, because sometimes I pause it thinking like, Oh man, another two hours I got to go to the bathroom now and then I come back and I and I unpause it and like the scene ends and then there's like a a, a huge like story break and I'm like oh why did I save those last 30 seconds but you don't know if you're watching it for the first time anyway didn't Martin Scorsese um, do the exact opposite of this where some places were putting intermissions in and he got really mad about it and like made made the theaters stop doing it I don't know if I know that story but but this is the thing is like I you shouldn't do it without the filmmaker's permission. Yeah. But the fact is home video gives everybody permission. And so, you know, the counter argument would be, you know, what if filmmakers who are making very long films actually built in an intermission? 
uh, either in theaters or for even home video? Would what would that look like? Could you do an intermission in software where it's sort of like there was a fade out and then it was like take take a break or continue? I somebody should experiment with that. Yep, there were two cinema chains, one in the UK and one in Amsterdam, where they put intermissions in and they got in trouble yeah. with Paramount and it's Apple. Not allowed. Yeah. Doing it. It's not allowed. Not allowed. Talking about not allowed, the Japanese Fair Trade Commission is working on a law similar to the Digital Markets Act in the EU that could force companies like Apple to allow, well, not to allow, to force companies like Apple to allow, I should say, sideloading. I said allow three times, um, yeah. but I knew what I meant. You said it Nobody out loud. Did. Yeah. Uh, so Japanese Fair Trade Commission, they were the organization that, had the first ruling for links being put in to sign up for a service. Remember that? Mm, a very long time yeah. ago now? Good times. Um, and they are now looking to go down the same routes as uh, the EU have when it comes to sideloading and also like dominant browsers and all that kind of stuff. This is for Google and Apple and anyone else. So I'm just putting that on the radar because I think it's going to be a thing we're going to be talking a lot about again this year. Yep. Uh, Apple have announced the first vehicles, or at least the first vehicles to get the new CarPlay have been announced. This includes mm. the Aston Martin DB12 coming in 2024. <laughs> Hello, Governor. You going to get one of those? Nope. And nope. Porsche have said that they will be adding the new CarPlay to their cars, but gave zero details other than saying that they would adopt it. Uh, I've got a link in the show notes to a Mac Rumors article uh, where they have images from Aston Martin showing how mm -hmm. they are actually going to implement it in the DB12. Um, and then there was a there was like a mock-up image from Porsche or something that they might want to do. So like, this is you like, know the new CarPlay where Apple is controlling your uh, odometers and all that fun stuff. So you get your speed and like. I know you're not going to buy an Aston Martin, but hmm. like. You should contact you're you're a British person. You yep. should contact Aston Martin PR. Okay. And see if in somewhere in swinging London, uh-huh, they might have a demo of the new Aston Martin with CarPlay. Do you think that my lack of a driving license could be a problem? I think CarPlay is is Perfectly fine from the well. I mean, you do need to be in the, mm, the okay. You got me. Get up. <laughs> step one. Get it because because they're going to be right in front of you too because you're actually yeah. controlling it. It's not just on the screen. Yeah, could be. A yeah. Problem, well, right? they're not going to. They're probably not going to trust you to drive that fancy car anyway. So you hey. just sit in the. They'll just sit in the showroom and they'll let you look at it there. How about that? How about that? I, I, I'll do what I can on that one. No promises. Just uh, tell them that you can drive and see what and happens. See what they say. I mean, would yeah. they really check? You know. You're a fully licensed media professional. That's all that really matters. That's true. I do have my license from the media professional agency. Mm -hmm. so That's right. Than that. The Apple Store, Apple's Infinite Loop campus, will be closing on January 20th. Pull one out for the, the company right. store. I've been there a couple This was of the time. Apple Store be before there was an Apple Store. This was the Apple Store. Yep. And they always sold stuff that you couldn't get anywhere else. We got a onesie for our baby yep. at that company store at one point in the in the uh, what 2002 era um the for our baby who is a college graduate now that that baby so um it is you know it's kind of been surpassed they built a whole store at apple park right store slash visitor center and it also sells unique stuff like merchandise that is just not available at any other apple retail and it's store about and I five think times the size of the infinite loop store yeah it is 
it is also, I mean, the infinite loop store has sold. I don't know. I haven't been there in years now. Um, they did used to sell, like there were computers there and there were, there were, um, peripherals there and stuff like that. It was, um, always, you know, right. It predated the retail store. And then at some point they put it under retail, but it wasn't quite the same as a real retail store. The Apple store at Apple park is a real Apple retail store with extra stuff. And the company store, uh, the infinite loop store never really felt quite like that. So small. So it's, I think the writing was on the wall. I honestly, I'm surprised that it is still there, Mm. but it will shortly not be there anymore. My understanding is they did sell some unique items because they sold some infinite loop specific items, not Apple. There's a lot of Apple park branded Apple merchandise at Apple park as well as, but like, that's where I've got a t-shirt with a rainbow Apple logo on it. I'm like, where do you buy that? And the answer is you buy it at one of these stores. That's, that's the, the only place they don't sell those. It's a funny quirk of Apple retail that Apple does not spend any money on buy a t-shirt with the Apple logo on it in any place other than when you make a pilgrimage to Cupertino. It's pretty funny. I went there um, last WWDC, so WWDC last year, because I wanted to take Adina there and it was closed. Uh, They were were doing set up for a developer event there or something like that. So it was very hot and we had to then stand and wait for an Uber to take us away again, which was very sad. Yeah. But, got, yeah. but she got her picture in front of the sign, which is really the real reason to go there. Yeah. Well, it's rapidly becoming a nostalgia trip since there's a, I mean, it's not the center of the universe anymore at Apple, although it used to be. And it's, uh, I mean, it, it, it's, they built a replacement for it. Oh, and it's like a thousand times better. Like th- the is. visitor center Apple Park is fantastic, right? That like it's yeah. a store and like an exhibition space and a cafe and seating area. And like, it, there's also something to look at because no offense to mm-hmm. Infinite Loop, not much to look at, but no. you can look at Apple Park. You can see some hints of it from the from that little viewing area at the top. Like there was a world in which they did none of that. And I'm happy that they ended up doing all of it sure. for the people that came. Well, care. I think they knew, they knew that people were going to come because people yep. come to Infinite Loop and they're like, okay, how do we deflect them, right? And it's like, we don't want them in... The ring, because like literally, infinite loop. You can you, just walk you up drive around it. Yeah. You, you can, can just walk, just walk up, up to. It. You can walk inside. I mean, they'll stop you. But like, you can you can drive and park. Yeah. You can drive all the way around. Mm-hmm. You can power do some power sliding as you drive around the you loop. Can, you can, you can, and then you can park anywhere, which is also where the employees park. Although you're not supposed to, I think you're supposed to park only by the store. And then you can walk. You can walk in or walk up to pretty much any of the buildings. And then they will stop you because you don't just des- you know you don't deserve to be there. You don't belong <laughs> there. You don't have a pass. You're not seeing anybody. You're get out, get out, and stay out. Uh, they very rarely said that to me, but you know, occasionally. And uh, you know, I don't know whether they plan on like gating that entrance, but they on Mariani Avenue, but they could because it was always a little bit weird. So when they built the new one, they're like, no, no, uh, Apple way parking now. and everything is completely <laughs> separate. But across the street from yeah. the security gates, we've made a little place for the general public to go, and you can you can stay there if you want. And the Apple Watch Series 9 and Apple Watch Ultra 2 are currently back on sale. So Now, in upgrade continuity, we have to be clear, uh, we never covered them going off sale. Okay. <laughs> because as we recorded our last episode, they had just uh, said that they were going to go off sale. Mm-hmm. And we, we were like, well, let's not even break the seal on that Good one point. because who knows yep. how it's going to change between now and 
and and beginning of January, which is yep. where we are now. So they went off sale and then they came back on sale. I'm gonna not give all the details, but basically they're in a patent battle with a company called Massimo over the blood oxygen sensor. If you do not yeah. know about this right now, there'll be some links in the show notes you can read up. But the point... I mean, thank you for only listening to Upgrade and no other tech you podcast, never know, I guess, if you've never right? heard about it. You'd never know. I mean, surely no. we're at least one person's only source of Apple News, right? No, yeah, I'm sure. I've heard... I've had people say that the, the, the yep. Upgrade is their te- uh, their Apple or tech podcast. Which we so, appreciate surprise, very much. There's an Apple Watch kerfuffle involving patents yep. and it was briefly off sale and then when the biden administration declined to uh overrule the patent organization which they did Uh for apple's benefit in a dispute with samsung but samsung not an american company massimo is an american company and despite the name which makes it sound like it's done by italian spies i keep thinking it's italian Check with Federico on that one. But it's not. It's an American company. It's based in Irvine. It's like a mile from where my in-laws live, Massimo. So I could check it out. I could reconnoiter at some point in Irvine, in Orange County. So uh, they, the Biden administration said, nope, we're not going to do it. Apple immediately appealed. The appeals court immediately basically said, okay, it can go back on sale while we consider the case. Because it is taking a product off sale is harm. And generally courts are like, Let's not do harm while we're waiting to process what's going to happen. And uh, and as a result, Apple has appealed and can keep appealing. And until it's all wrapped up, um, it will still be on sale. And presumably Apple and Massimo, I don't know, are they talking? They're, they're, I mean, it feels like this is all jockeying for leverage. Yeah. yeah. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection have to make a decision on January 12th as to whether software changes that Apple wants to make would be deemed acceptable of Massimo's patents. Right. The appeals court that Apple went to that put like a stop to the, the ban, or a stay, as it's called, has also asked the ITC, the International Trade Commission, to consider whether they would be willing to just stay the ban completely until the full appeals process has been completed uh, one yeah. way or so another. So that's a hurdle for Apple. Yeah. That, that, so they could potentially be ruled against and have to take it back off sale, or they yep. could be told... And again, I feel like in general, courts and and other organizations you kind of want to not that's what stays are for is you kind of want to not do harm i mean i guess massimo would argue that the existence of the apple watch is doing them them harm harm. but um if there's a penalty that could potentially come uh you know if, if it's in dispute about whether an appeal is likely to be won or not i mean i don't know we'll see i i I feel like that apple's got a real shot here for them to say you can keep selling it while this process is but this this may also be apple just kind of running out the clock yep the itc have until january 10th to confirm what they think about that that like you know obviously if the customs and border protection say it's okay then that's going to help them but if they don't then the appeals court has asked the ITC if it can still be sold. But failing all of this, Apple has another hearing on January 15th for the U.S. Court of Appeals to try and get everything overturned entirely. This is very messy. This is very messy. This is messy, Mom, I think, as some would probably call it. Okay. Um, they've got to, Something's got to get done about this because this is kind of... I will say I, I'm very happy we've not covered this week to week, that like it's been happening while we've been mostly on break because... 
this story is kind of exhausting to me, to be honest. And, and uh, you calling it messy mode does not make it better. So it does. It does. It makes everything. <laughs> Maybe better. We, what if what if there was like a big Apple story and we just didn't cover it on upgrade? We're like, nope. I mean, we not haven't gonna... not done that. You know, there there are things that are going on sure, where we just don't true. bother because it's like not really like you know that there that's are true. people talking about it, but it's kind that's of true. for us. There's not really much to add, so we just don't. Um, yeah. But this That's one fair. is big enough that we would have and are now. So, like, you know, we'll probably give follow-up in the next couple of weeks as to exactly what's happening with this. Because it is a big story, the idea of a product just being taken off sale, which it was. Um, yeah, it's but wild. it's also just a lot of court stuff, which realistically is not really super interesting when all you can do is say what we've just said. Like, there was an appeal. Yeah. The appeal was said yes. Appeal was said no. Two things um, more that I wanted to say about this. Mm-hmm. One is um, buying psychology, which is I don't know about you. I mean, you you have a you have a, a an ultra two. I do. When it was right before Christmas, and they're like, "Oh, it's going to go off sale because of this." Part of my brain was like, "Jason, just buy an ultra two right now." <laughs> okay. And, like, why? And the answer was because it's going away. So maybe you should get it now. And I'm like, I don't think I really even want an Ultra 2. I'm very happy with my uh, previous generation titanium watch. It's black. It's titanium. It's beautiful. Um, I find it funny that Apple has sold this titanium watch because it's, I, I don't know if you could even tell that it's not an aluminum watch, but I know, right? I know that it's titanium. But, and it's, and it's, it, it fits my wrist and it's fine. And I don't need an Ultra 2. But part of my brain was like, Jason the ultra two it's going away maybe you should get it now before it goes away because what if at some point in the future you decide you do want an ultra two and it's not available in any store what will you do then and i didn't buy it but i just i thought about it and i thought that was a really funny bit of buying psychology right like oh we're gonna take it off sale and part of my brain was like oh buy it now then before it goes away even if you don't want it you gotta buy it now Anyway, my other thing is just that if they uh, really wanted to make this uh, perfect confluence, it would be uh, Lionel Messimo. Love it. Uh, I don't know why you think that was acceptable, but mine wasn't. Um, no, uh, I'm just going further into the ah. into the garbage dump there. So you're welcome. To me, everybody. this whole thing is hilarious because of the feature that is the problem, which is like realistically a useless feature of the Apple Watch because of how it's been implemented. Yeah which is the blood, ox- yeah. blood oxygen reading. Compared to the other health stuff, it's, you know. I know, right? Like, if this was the heart rate sensor, it's like, sure. yeah, okay, fight this to the I mean, nail. It, will, it will do some warning, and I do wonder if, like, the sleep apnea detection that they're rumored to be working on, if part of what that is going to yeah, include maybe. is an oxygen monitor, and, like, do they, how they... But there's all the dr- the FDA approvals and things like that. And as a result, there are some alerts, but mostly it's just you go to the app and it gives you a number. And we know that the number isn't like as accurate as some other equipment would make it. But it is something. Uh, but yeah, it's it's very funny. This is this is hardly a honestly, if if the ruling came down and they said, look, just turn the feature off on new hardware or even new and existing hardware until we rule on this, would it really be a material destruction of functionality so. of the Apple Watch to have the blood oxygen sensor shut off for a while? Yeah, Because it's just a feature that they've never really, even when it's it never was felt announced, core, th- yeah. th- well, they just never did a good job of explaining what you could use it for. And, yeah. and I don't even think it's the case of like, oh, it's not FDA approved. Because 
like the temperature sensors are not as good as they could possibly be, but it's actually right. been implemented into a useful part of the product, right? And right, although a very specific part of the product. But it's still and that very there are other useful. potential Yes, but other potential uses it, they have shied away from. Sure. So I don't know. But, but the blood oxygen sensor is it doesn't even ever really feel like to me it even had that one thing that it was doing that was super beneficial. Yeah. I am a yeah, noted I mean, blood oxygen yeah. sensor hater. Yeah, I know you are. Mm. You you can, the knives are out for the blood oxygen sensor. <laughs> I am Massimo. That's what you, you don't are. Know. Are you are you Mike Massimo? Mike I Massimo? Am. Is I that am. you? Are you from Italy or from Southern California? Which is it? Si. Answer the question. See, si, Senor. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Factor. Get started on your goals for the new year with Factor so you'll be ready to tackle it head on. Factor's ready-to-eat meal delivery takes the stress out of meal planning and sets you up for success in the new year. You can skip the grocery stores, prep work, and cooking fatigue. Instead, get those chef-crafted, dietitian-approved meals delivered right to your door. With over 35 meals to choose from per week, including options like keto, calorie smart, protein plus, vegan veggie, and more, plus... Over 55 weekly add-ons to choose from, you're going to have tons of nutritious and flavorful options to kickstart your year right. So you can forget those frantic lunch preps and rush dinners. Factor's two-minute meals are your secret weapon in the new year. Factor now offers loads of snack options like breakfast and smoothies and juices and snacks and more to keep you going. Jason, how disruptive is it to cook a Factor meal? Uh, disruptive is not a word I would ever even use. It's exactly. super easy. Mm-hmm. But I, I, what I, um, I mean, you can stick it in the microwave and it takes two, two, three minutes and that's it. And then it comes out and it tastes good. And I'll just say again, I think I've said this here before. Um, they sent us another box and Lauren just would steal them and take them to work with her. Yep. Be, I mean, like I, I said, hey, wait a second. They, our very nice sponsor sent those to me so that I can talk about it on a podcast. And uh, she was not really interested in hearing that and just took them right to that. work with her. Mm-hmm. And the comment she also gave me as she stole my lunches away to take to work for to use as her lunches was, I don't know how they make microwave chicken taste good. Which I agree with that you 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 might think about it like reheating a microwave meal and you can heat them up in a toaster oven or an oven too if you want to but um but it's easy in three minutes in a microwave um if you've reheated microwave food before or frozen food in the microwave you know sometimes especially with like meat you're like uh, this isn't quite right there, there's stuff and that's just not the case I don't know what they're doing uh, some of it is the high quality ingredients but um it's just good and and uh and and all of it. I, that's the, that's what impresses me. It's in three minutes you've got something that does not feel like it came out of a you know lab somewhere and was extruded from a microwave. Instead, it feels like fresh, good ingredients. It's pretty remarkable. And like I said, I can't tell you much more personally because most of them were stolen by my wife. That's the, the chefs over that's, factor. They do magic. That's an endorsement. Yeah, that's an endorsement. Skip the overpriced tra- takeout trap. Factor is cheaper and way more delicious than takeout. 
And when things get hectic, Factor is flexible. You can change your order every week with plans from 4 to 18 meals per week or pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime you have that flexibility. Factor has everything you need for a week of flavorful, nutritious eats. Head to factormeals.com slash upgrade50 and use the code upgrade50 to get 50% off. That is the code upgrade50 at factormeals.com slash upgrade50 to get that 50% off. Our thanks to Factor for the support of this show and Relay FM. Mm-hmm. Saddle up, partner. It's time for a Yeehaw. roundup. Uh, the horse is happy to get out in the back 50 again. The New York Times is reporting that Apple is in talks with various publishers to license their content to be used for training their large language model at Apple. The Times is reporting that Apple is offering, quote, multi-year deals worth at least $50 million and has made these deals to publications like Condé Nast and NBC News. And I wonder, maybe the New York Times? Could it be? <laughs> you know, I find that to be very funny. Uh, like, how did you get this information, New York Times? Well, you know, certainly the reporters don't know, but um, but it is always funny when they're like, "We're reporting on something that's happening inside the building." That's always pretty hilarious. So this is in contrast to, I guess, what OpenAI is doing, where mm-hmm. they are doing some of these deals, but they are reportedly very small, and I think. And the New York Times has taken has taken OpenAI to court, um, and OpenAI said, "Hey, we were talking to them. We were trying to arrange something." And my expectation is OpenAI was like, "That's not enough money. See you in court." Right. So, uh, a couple thoughts here. One is there is this ongoing debate about whether you know training a model on copyrighted material is allowed. If that's legal. And also, if if it is legal, what is legal in terms of how it gets presented? Because that lawsuit that was filed, which is I think the New York Times filed against Microsoft and OpenAI, they said basically we can we can make a prompt that gets uh, gets your model to spit out a paragraph that is verbatim from our source. And I know it was a complex, it was like literally pasting the first two graphs of the story and saying, write the next graph. But that's not the point. The point is, if you can coerce an AI model to output copyrighted material, that, I'm fascinated by this argument because I'm moved by the idea that Google indexing the web is not copyright infringement, but Google republishing your article is copyright infringement. And there's a, a gray area in between where it's sort of like, are they stealing your you know, ability to make a, a business on it by summarizing it in a way that devalues it and they're using it as raw material? And, and uh, But leaving that aside, I feel like the big problem with a lot of these models is, that, is not necessarily that they're trained on copyrighted material. I do think that's a problem. But that there's no control over what they output and, and they will frequently output something that contains portions of somebody's work. And so it's like a copyright violation machine, right? In some ways, Mm -hmm. like if you think about it, like let's say it's legal to train on everything that's owned by everybody, but it's still not legal to reproduce copyrighted material. And I start, if I'm a lawyer, especially I start to look at, uh, at these LLMs and think, wait a second, what's stopping the LLM from generating something that will get us sued for copyright infringement? And the answer is, as far as I know, 
absolutely nothing. And I think a lot of the controversy is about that, which is these things don't know what their sources are. And because you're feeding the copyrighted material in, you will get it back out. And there's two solutions to that. One is only, uh, you know, it's either you you do a filter at the end that says, does this look like something that actually exists? Oh, it does. And don't do that. Or some sort of licensing agreement that says it's okay, not necessarily just to train, but like it's okay to train and that the output might contain some of my content because we've got a license for that. And I don't know what the nature of this deal is that's being reported that they're talking about with Apple. I would imagine Apple is thinking of both those things. Apple is thinking on one hand, we want to do a license, a content license, because that's going to put us in opposition to Microsoft and OpenAI, and we like that. And it also is giving us a, a business relationship with the people who are generating the content. So when the content comes out, it is okay because we all are on the same page about this. I also, though, wonder if it's more than that. If it's also that Apple is then, uh, Apple's LLMs are then allowed to summarize or quote from the material because it's licensed. And that would be one way to get better quality output, right? In some ways, is having the confidence to say, uh, when you build your model, that if there, you know, if you can find a good source, um, you could actually say, here's what the New York Times said about it. And it would be all cool because they're, or here's what these Wired magazines said about it. I don't know. It's an interesting approach. I mean, Apple has a history of this, right? So the the machine learning algorithms that they built photo recognition on was on licensed imagery. Because I remember it was a question at the time of like, you're using our images to train your algorithm? And it was like, no. I remember Craig Federig, I think he said on the talk show, Said so we have we are using licensed imagery. So you imagine they must have spent millions, like just buying up all this imagery so they could train it on. And I guess what is sure. one of the best ways to get this kind of text information is like to go to an institution with as much information as something like the New York Times and just be like, we'll just take all of that, please. Just check out. Yeah, and Condé Nast and NBC News, and you you build a, a sort of a licensed engine that is going to be. Um, distinct in some ways mm-hmm. from some of the other models. And I, I, again, this LLM stuff and all the machine learning stuff, it's really interesting. I have no doubt that Apple misjudged the public's interest in the, in the LLM chatbot kind of thing. I still am kind of amazed when I see some articles that are like, oh, Apple's, uh, like Mark Gurman's uh, newsletter this week said, Apple's years behind on this. And I'm like, okay, I can believe that Apple is years behind, that Apple, you know, that people have been working on this for years and that Apple really only kicked it into gear last year. Okay, I'll, I'll accept that. But then his examples are like, because Google Bard and the thing in Bing are out there. And it's like, those things are embarrassing experiments. They're not real. Pro- Apple doesn't do embarrassing experiments in public. And it feels like a version of that same argument, which is, oh, Apple's late to the Apple Watch because Apple waited until it was ready to release the Apple Watch. Uh, And even arguably, they should have waited another year, but the pressure was pretty intense. It feels a little like that to me, which is like, well, wait a second. Bard and the the GPT inside Bing, and what was the other thing that he he said? He he said, uh, oh, there was another AI thing where it was like, oh, Apple's way, oh, Amazon announced a new version of Alexa. Like, I mean, did they even ship that? Or is it just sort of like a... It's just an announcement that they're yes. going to do it. Like to compare that to what Apple's doing. Like, I'm sorry, you. I'm inclined to believe that Apple's a, a few years behind on AI, 
these are not great examples because they're not things Apple would do, right? Apple is not going to put out uh, something like the the Bard experiment where it's sort of like, I don't know, it, the results aren't very good, but you could try it out. And they're not going to do something like pre-announce that Siri is going to be better eventually in two years or whatever, right? Like they, they famously, they don't do that. So I need more evidence here about all of this stuff. But, um, and I'm inclined to believe that, yeah, they're late to the party. But what's interesting about this report is it suggests that they also got a different approach to this than some of their competitors. And maybe that is born out of the fact that they're late to the party. Um, maybe it's born out of the fact that their um, ML people are really skeptical about where all the AI, AI stuff is, has been going and is going and are, are, are trying to approach it. And that doesn't necessarily mean it's a better approach, but they're approaching it differently. I don't know, but this is another data point. I mean, also though, there's, there's, I think there's just a, a difference in the companies. I, I think Apple is well aware that there is no world in which anyone would accept Apple taking this data without paying them. Like people are asking questions about OpenAI, like I think rightly right. so. But if Apple did it, we're in a whole different scenario. No one's going to accept that, right? So, so like they're they're going about it the right way. I mean, Google's doing it, Amazon's doing it. So, but I think you're right in the sense that Apple wants to differentiate, and there are lawsuits going on. And like it, let me tell you, it is no coincidence that the lawsuit and the Apple is going to pay stories happened within a day of each other, right? That is not a coincidence. That is the whole message is here's the right way to do it. Here's the wrong way to do it from somebody, perhaps the New York Times. I don't know. But like it's, yeah, it's it's interesting. I don't know. I, again, I'm not trying to say, oh, Apple, I, I've got the inside scoop. Apple really is killing this. Like, I don't know. They They probably were behind. They were caught flat-footed. But they're also, their attitude to machine learning has always been different. They've been shipping machine learning-based products for years. They have different standards. And there again, there's an argument that maybe their standards are a little too high. But time and again, what we've seen is Apple gets criticized for being late to the party because everybody else is pre-announcing things or doing experimental things. And then Apple comes in at a moment when it's a it's a product that Apple would actually be proud of. And all of what what is surprising when you're in it is that all that stuff fades away. Like, do we really remember now? Really, unless unless we do this for a living, maybe, that like that first Apple Watch. When it was coming out, when it was uh, like six months before it was even introduced, let alone shipped, people were writing stories about how Apple desperately needed a new product and Tim Cook needed something to justify him being the CEO. Those were ridiculous then, but there was a lot of it. There was a lot of heat because people are, you know, people are people and they're impatient and they want to be entertained. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, Apple has to exercise discipline to be like, I know people want to be entertained. People want us to, the hot thing is chatbots. We need to launch a chatbot, but we need to do it right. Now that could lead to complacency and it could lead to Apple missing the boat. It absolutely could. But I just, I keep thinking about things like the Apple Watch, where it was the most important thing ever. And yes, a lot of us looked at it then and we're like, guys, the iPhone is the most important thing. And it's going to remain the most important thing. The Apple Watch is a nice thing if it happens, but it's it's never going to be more important than the than the iPhone. And yet, that was the case. And then the Apple Watch shipped, and it was what it was. And six months or a year later, it blew over, and everybody was kind of over it. And and like I said earlier, 
I think we could all agree, thinking back on that original Apple Watch, it was kind of too early, right? It, like it was running everything on the phone and projecting it onto the watch. It was like, it was a little, it was a little early, if anything, but they shipped it because they were under intense pressure to do it. So I think about the, with the AI stuff is that we're comparing apples to oranges here. We're talking about companies that can afford to put up uh, experimental things and uh, have them be terrible and have like horrible output that misleads people and makes people file like legal briefs that are citing cases that don't exist. And they're like, eh, what you going to do? It's all an experiment. And Apple couldn't get away with that. But it also is possible, and I think actually likely, that Apple's vision of where machine learning tech was going to be applied in its products maybe maybe lacked a little bit in terms of where the technology was going to take great leaps and capture people's imagination. And I think both of those things can be true. So I'm interested, this is going to be a great year to answer this question of like, well, what can they get in a product this summer? What can they get in the OSs? Um, But uh, this is story, this, this story about the licensing says it again, right? Which is like, if you're expecting Apple to just jump in and play the exact same game as everybody else, they're not going to, and like, what part of Apple do you not understand? They're not going to do it. They're just, it's just not how they're wired. Um, and they may succeed, they may fail, but they're not playing the same game. They're just not. Ming-Chi Kuo is reporting that the ultra-wide camera on the iPhone 16 Pro will feature a 48-megapixel sensor. This would allow it to capture much more light and generate higher-quality images. Uh, I would love this because I have been unhappy for the last couple of years of how frequently the iPhone switches to like the ultra-wide macro right. Setting when you're close to stuff because it produces a worse looking image like they can be like definitely not as good in low light so my hope would be that this would help make that better if they had a lens with that sensor behind it that could take things from closer um, instances and still get that benefit so mm. that would be good if they do it a lot of good bits here um, remember ultra wide gives you even more area like you could use this for um for center stage um you could use this uh for macro and i think one of the big motivators here is if you use this with the main camera to do um stereo videos um 3d mm-hmm. videos for the for the vision pro mm-hmm. it's cropping from a much higher sensor because it's you know it's going to be one of the eyes along with the main camera. That's how they do that. But the current one that's implemented on the 15, it's cropping a low megapixel sensor in order to get the same field of view as the main camera, which means that's why it's a, like a 1080 picture right. is because the quality just isn't as good. So if they put it at 48, not only, yeah, your ultra wides are, are going to look good and you can, you can, Zoom in like center stage, like you can zoom into parts of it and it's actually going to be good. Macro is good. Stereo capture is good. It's funny because in a normal world, Apple probably looks at the ultra wide and it's like, why does this need to be higher quality? Uh, but then you start to tick off. Oh, but we use the ultra wide. It's like a utility camera. We use it for a lot of other stuff. Okay. 
like I think they use the main for center stage when you use continuity camera, but like the ultra wide has more coverage. So I could see a scenario where you even used it for that and said, if you need to go outside the, the frame, switch to the ultra wide, and then you can go even further to the left or the right and get everybody in there. Like there, there are a bunch of uses for it, right? To having that ultra wide. And so we've reached the point now where they look at the ultra wide camera and they're like, oh yeah, I guess it should be better, which is great. I, I, I love this report. The idea that Apple's not sleeping on its other cameras that, you know, because they, they all should keep getting better. And Mark Gurman is reporting that the iPhone 16 lineup will include a new dedicated button that you can press for taking video. I'm assuming also photos, but Mark has just said video. It will or be a capacitive. I don't know. Yeah, it will be a capacitive button on the bottom right side of the phone where the millimeter wave antenna is if you have a US model. Uh, the button will not physically move, but it will feature mm. haptic feedback and force sensitivity. So it'd be an area that you'll you'll press. Apple did this with the uh, the home button for many years when it moved to Touch right. ID. Uh, this is very interesting and weird to me. It's like it's just like a button. Like why now? Like I know ours, why now. The but buttons also, emerged from their tomb after now? many years. It's, it's I don't, a, this is odd. This is an odd one. Um, I would like it. Like why not? But it's like it's one of those things where, like you know, we were just talking about the the three D video, like you know, like special video. Yeah. This might be part of the reason. But it is just like a funny thing to, after all these years, you now put a physical, quote unquote, button on the phone for capturing media. After two all new this buttons time. in two new buttons in two years. Yeah, They're button two new buttons in two there. years. The iPhone um, 20, yeah. the entire rail of the phone it's will be all buttons. buttons. It's just all buttons. It's all buttons. I'm yeah, I, I mean, it, it puts one, it puts an action button on the other side. That's yeah. part of it. We know that they were trying to do capacitive, pressure sensitive, you know, fake button buttons with the action button. And the report is they couldn't get it to work. So they, or with the volume buttons, I think it was, right? Like, they, they, and they couldn't well, get it to work. It was, it was the volume and the, the action button was supposed to work. And the action button. That's what the rumor said anyway, initially. The, uh, anyway, and then they had to back out of that. So this is on the other side. It's on the other end. I think it maybe addresses the issue of having it be held upright for, um, hel- you know, held for. Th- 3D captures that you put a more natural place for your finger to go. I, I mean, I, as I'm speaking to you now, I'm capturing video on my iPhone using a, a mount that's like the the Studio Neat Glyph. So it's a it's like a clip, and I keep you know it's halfway down the phone because above it there are buttons and mm-hmm. you can't press the buttons. Now this, if it's capacitive, actually, I think the any kind of mount will not affect it because it's being touched by not a human not human skin, but I do have that moment of like, how am I going to even mount my phone anymore? But that all said, like, I love it. This is, I'm just going to replay. <laughs> we could just go to the clip. Uh, what I said about the action button, which is there is something amazing about having tactile. It's it's like a physical interfaces in cars instead of touchscreens. It's the same thing. Like having to deal with software and like, how, how do you get there? Well, you tap on this and then you scroll here and you swipe down and then you tap and then you open the glove compartment in a Tesla, right? It's like, or you set the setting on your iPhone. Like it's so much better to turn on the air conditioning with a, with a button or a, or a, or a switch. It's so much better to start capturing video or take a photo by pressing a button or doing whatever with the action button. But I think the the goal of the action button initially was literally, I want a shutter button. And this sounds like the primary goal is I want a let's start doing video button. And I think that that is, 
I think what it shows is that Apple is really analyzing how people, how regular people use their iPhones. And that one of the complaints about using their iPhones as a camera, which is probably the number one thing that people use their iPhone for, or certainly top three, is, is oh, I got to like, do I unlock it? And I have to go and I find the app. And then by the time that I do all that, the moment is passed. And I know there are shortcuts and stuff. You can swipe in this direction and do that. But like, there's nothing like the, the smooth physical action of pulling your phone out of your pocket. It's in your hands. You press the button. You don't even need to look. You press the button and know that yeah. the capture is starting. I think that's the key part. And that, you're capturing that, video. That you can get it going before you've even looked at the display. Just with your hands yeah. feeling the phone, mm-hmm. that is powerful because and because you don't have to interact with software at all. It is like uh, a physical like camera from the old days, right? Where if you're a photographer, if you ever had a camera, you probably know that you can just go like turn. In the old days, it would, like turn it on and then put your finger where the shutter is and then halfway down and click and you, you know you're and you're taking pictures. There's no like okay, well, first you got to turn on the camera and then you've got to tap on the on the on the back of it in order to do, like that no, it's muscle memory. It's it's physical and there's great power in that especially for something like capturing video or stills where your eyes are not really on the phone and you don't want them to be on the phone. You want them to be on the subject. So I, you know, I don't know where this comes from that Apple is just suddenly adding buttons everywhere, but I love it. Like, bring it on. Bring on the all button phone. Fine. Let's, we'll figure it out. Uh, we'll, you know, but, but like a few discrete buttons, you don't want to overwhelm people with buttons. Then it's like uh, the Apollo lunar lander, right? Like it's like, this is maybe too many buttons, but surely a few more buttons uh, would be welcome for things like capture. This is a great, I love this rumor. I look forward to the disasters of cases again oh man yeah yeah well you know case making is a lucrative business and nobody said it would be easy you gotta you gotta toughen up case makers this episode is brought to you by vitally customer success teams are facing a problem how do they connect customer data back to their work Vitally changes this. It's a new kind of customer success platform, an all-in-one collaborative workspace that combines your customer data with all the capabilities you expect from today's project management and work platforms. Because Vitally is designed for today's customer success team, that's why it operates with unparalleled efficiency, improves net revenue retention, and delivers best-in-class customer experiences. Vitally is the solution to helping your customer success teams keep a better pulse on your customers, which maximizes productivity, visibility, and collaboration. You can boost your bottom line by driving more revenue per customer with Vitally. And if you take a qualified demo of Vitaly, you'll get a free pair of AirPods Pro. So if you're a customer success decision maker actively seeking CS solutions, working at a B2B software as a service company with 50 to 1,000 employees, and you're willing to explore changing customer success platforms if you already have one in place, schedule your call today by visiting vitaly.io slash upgrade and get that free pair of AirPods Pro. That is V-I-T-A-L-L-Y dot I-O slash upgrade vitally.io slash upgrade for a free pair of AirPods Pro when you schedule a qualified meeting. Our thanks to Vitally for their support of this show and Relay FM. So let's look ahead a little bit to the rest of this year and the Vision Pro specifically. So here's my kind of imagination for how this thing plays out roughly, right? Okay. We're going to start the year with an announcement of some kind, right? 
however that happens, doesn't really make too much of a difference for the fact that it will happen. Then units will start going out to reviewers. Presumably, there would then be reviews before customers buy them, customers will buy them, apps will be released. Then WWDC rolls around, presumably for operating system improvements. I expect we'll see some WWDC. Then uh-huh. later on in the year, a new version of the OS and moving forward. I doubt would, I cannot imagine any more hardware this year, but by the end of nope. the year, more countries right would start to potentially be receiving the ability to buy this product. Presumably. So this year, no matter what is the story, right? Like we are going to be talking about the Vision Pro throughout all of 2024, like with the product actually existing, not just the way we've been doing it for the last couple of years where we've been talking about what it might be and then talking about our experiences and then wondering more about it. But like we should see it in January, probably. Some This is when this stuff will start to kick off. And then it is the entire year, right? Yeah, the whole year. Yeah, for sure. Are you excited about that prospect? Um, yeah, this is this is this is it, right? Like whenever we were talking about like uh, looking forward to 2024, what I keep saying is it's going to be a great year. Mm-hmm. I know I heard you guys talking about this uh on Connected last week that it doesn't matter how it goes. I was trying to tell this to Leo Laporte, who's a real skeptic on MacBreak Weekly, a real skeptic about the Vision Pro. And my point is, it's okay to be a skeptic. It's a weird product mm-hmm. in a weird category that Apple's never done before. And they're trying a bunch of stuff. But the point is, first off, they are trying a lot of stuff. This is not a half-baked product. This is cutting edge. You and I have both used it. It is amazing technically. It is an amazing piece of hardware. So this is app, the world's number one technology company spending years building a product that is basically the best product money can buy to do this thing that people think, many people think is going to be the future of computing. And that's why they're doing it is because they think this is a future direction. Now, are they wrong? What are the, it's a 1.0 product. It's guaranteed because it's a 1.0 product that you're going to look back in five years and go, boy, right? Like, because just even if it's successful, because uh, you learn things and and the tech marches on, but you got to start somewhere. So regardless, like, Look, I, I'm not an Apple investor, right? And I'm not an Apple employee. So I don't have that kind of investment in it where, it, oh, it, it needs to work because I need my stock to go up. I, 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 I'm not coming from that perspective. But like, as somebody who is enthusiastic about the kind of march of technology, what a story this is. Mm-hmm. Succeed or fail. Because like, start with, what are the decisions they made? We've gotten now a clue about that with the June announcements and with our 30 minutes each on it. And they were very impressive, but like it was a constrained environment, extremely constrained. We were told what to do for 30 minutes. It was not free form. So what, what is that broader experience? Like what are the choices they made? Where do they fall down? Where do they succeed? Again, regardless of whether it's a success or a flop because I don't think we're going to know, right? Like even if it's got a lot of, of limitations, it's a 1.0 product. And I think they're in this for the long haul. So they're going to be a lot of hot takes, right? That, that That's going to happen. But like the big story here is it's an entirely new Apple platform where they've spent a huge amount of time building incredibly cutting edge 
not just hardware, but like software user interactions, like the eye tracking based stuff. I can't wait to see it and dig into it and see where it takes us. And that's why 2024 is going to be, I think, is going to be great because I'm not saying the product is going to be great, but I'm going to say the product, it's impossible to look at that product and conceive of that product and not think of how interesting and particular and peculiar that it's it's going to be. And I don't think even Apple understands because you never know until it's out there how people are going to use it, how software developers are going to um, dive into it, the ones that do. Like all of that is, you can't even conceive of it until you start the clock and start shipping it. Like there are just fundamental questions that we don't have the answers to. Like what is it like to use it for one hour? Is it uncomfortable? Yeah. Is 30, it the same What is as it half like to hour? use it for 32 minutes, yeah. right? Like uh, we don't know. We don't know. Like, what is it truly like to watch a movie on this thing? Like, is it actually a nice experience? Like, it looks like it right. would be, but we don't know. What is it we like to write an email? You know, like, what is the keyboard like oh. to use on this thing? Like, there are just all the things that we, that mm-hmm. are fundamental to the product that we do not understand yet. And like, just this whole idea, this 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 idea of spatial computing that Apple is trying to bring to the world here, right? Where this thing isn't just a media entertainment device. It is a full-on computer. Computer, You can use it. Like, what is that world truly like? Right, an iPad you put on your face. What is that that like? Do you want to spend your afternoon moving your head left, right, up, and down? Like, is it nice or is it not nice? We don't know these things. That is one of the questions that I really am curious about is if I sit... At this this desk, um, and instead of using the display, the 27-inch display that's here, I use a big display. Or a, a great use case for me is if I go visit my mom in Phoenix and I sit at her dining room table with my MacBook Air, but hovering above it now is a giant screen that is my Mac in Vision Pro, would I, you know, could I do that? Could I could I use it that way? They say you can, but like they say a lot of things, right? That's that's when reality meets PR. Is that that's when we we get in there and we're like, okay, well, here's here are what the issues are, and I don't even I can't even make up what those issues are. I don't know. Is there a is there an amazing workflow where there's like I was thinking about like the fact that it runs uh, a lot of common Apple apps. I thought you know I I can do stuff on the iPad without having a Mac around. I can do a lot of stuff, not everything, but a lot of stuff. And I thought I haven't even considered like. What's it going to be like if I can put Slack over here and calendar over here and mail up here and like do my working on the iPad, but I'm on Vision Pro instead? Like theoretically, I can do that. But we don't know whether we, you know, you do that for half an hour and you're like, nope, (laughs) forget about it. Or whether it's something you can do for all day or half a day or a couple of hours, like uh, yeah, and and watching a movie and relaxing and doing playing a game like we don't know we just don't know about about that because all we've people inside Apple know and maybe some people developers know a little bit more in the developer labs but really nobody on the outside is going to know until we set these things up and use it for minute thirty one on. We, like, what are the apps going to be like, right? Like, people have yeah. been dreaming this stuff up 
in their minds for a while, like what them working in the simulator, there is the opportunity for experiences and applications that truly open our minds to what this world can be. Like I've said this in a few places now, and so I'm apologizing for repeating myself, but I am kind of coming to this as this is probably the most important thing that Apple has done in my time covering them professionally because it is a brand new thing with large ramifications. Like The Apple Watch is the only other thing that was brand new, but it was n- never positioned as being a computer. Like That's a different that's a different thing, right? Right. It's an iPhone accessory. And and also that was ten years ago. Ten years ten ago. Ten years ago. Yeah. It was a very different time. This is a computing platform. Yeah, it's a new Apple computing platform. Uh, completely new. Well, I mean, completely with an asterisk. I guess I would say the last time that there was anything even remotely like this was the iPad introduction. And although the iPad was a lot like the phone, the Vision OS has a lot in common, but it's also ten years on. So yeah. I would say you could make a very easy argument that this is the biggest Apple hardware introduction since the original iPhone. And like the way that I have been thinking about this in my mind is like it is adding the third input mechanism, right? So we had the mouse, we have touch, we have yeah. eye tracking. Eye tracking, no. Which yeah. I was, I, over Christmas when we were in Bucharest, there was some, some of our friends were asking me about it. And I kind of hit on a thing, which is how I remember it being. And again, as I said to them, I have not dined out so much on half an hour in my entire career yeah. as I have on that one 30-minute experience that I got. Right. But as I've reflected on it for the last six months, one of the things that I remembered is like the move, the, the eye tracking almost, when you get into the flow of it, feels a little bit like mind reading. It does. Because sure. you naturally, naturally look where you want to interact with. So the fact that you were like, oh, I want to look at Discord right now. And your eyes will just go to Discord. And then Discord is ready for you to interact. Yeah, There is so little delay between these things happening in your brain. It just feels like, it felt like the device was just ready and working with me. And, and that is very cool. Well, it's reading your mind. And the reason that it feels like it's reading your mind is because... Like you're, I mean, people can look at your vision, look at your eyes and, and intuit things from it, but at a very gross level, right? Like, oh, you're looking, you're looking over to the, I'm talking to you and you're looking over to the left and you know, you're bored or distracted or whatever. This isn't like that. This is like, nobody knows exactly what I'm looking at. Exactly. Right. It's only me. Cause I, I can see like, it's, it's a private, like our gaze is at least I think most of us categorize our gaze, at least specifically as a private, like internal thing. Mm-hmm. And the vision pro is like, no, I know, I know where you're looking. It knows what word you're looking at in a sentence. Yeah. So that's next level. <laughs> which know? is why, which is why the privacy stuff is so important, right? Because you can imagine bad apps and things, um, building a profile of you based on where your eyes go. And that's gross. That's really gross. Cause they're trying to read your mind, but at a system level, what it's doing is it's making the whole landscape around you in the Vision Pro, you know, augmented reality space. Um, it is it is like your companion who knows exactly what you're thinking at that at that moment. And and I it's I don't want to overstate it, but you are exactly right that like 
you it's like you think about doing something and tap your fingers together and the thing happens. Yeah. Now, what you're actually doing is you're looking at it and tapping your fingers and the thing happens. But there is a leap, I think, that our brains make of you know thought to sight to action. And by Vision Pro being able to take that that jump to sight, it's like it's connecting thought to action directly. And I think that that is going to be the thing that surprises people the most. Like, I think that will be the thing that when people use it, they will be kind of blown away by is is the accuracy. Again, if it truly is as accurate as our experience was, right? And it does need to be for it to to have that effect. Mm -hmm. Um, But it, it was very good when we used it. And it was that part in the demo where they kind of stopped telling you what to do. And it's a very clever trick that they play really where like at first uh-huh. like look over here and do that and then eventually it's like just click photos for me and like you just go and do it. Like there is a because it ends up becoming quite intuitive, that's what I expect will be quite startling to people how kind of how good it is. Um but yeah, I I am very excited for this year. I think that the opportunities for content are massive like for us like i'm so excited for sure for what we will be able to talk about like i am very excited about it i mean we do okay when nothing's going on but it's great when stuff is going on and it's like even yes it's like even better yeah and uh, you know my only thing now is just like how on earth do i get one i'm like trying to (laughs) trying to plan this out in in my year is the most complicated part but i will try everything possible in, within my power. Time for another visit to to, to uh, the United States, I guess. I mean, that is my plan, right? Like my plan is yeah, order one and then book a flight, schedule a go. pickup, book a flight. Yeah. yeah. The um, I wanted to say the one thing that um, I'm most interested in seeing. I'm sure there are going to be a lot of things that are in the shipping version of the Vision Pro that surprise us that mm-hmm. Apple has withheld that they perhaps will even mention. I'd be actually a little disappointed if they're like, nope, everything we showed in June is all that there is and the rest of it we took out. I would be a little disappointed. I, I want there to be some more stuff that they withheld. I think there will be. But the one thing that I'm sure they withheld that I'm really curious about is is voice control. Because hmm. we didn't see any indication of Siri or anything like that. And... And when you start to think about stuff, especially what I think about is text input, right? But also, you know, more abstract commands yeah. in general. I can see how f- you can go really fast with Vision Pro with your eyes and with your hands. But I wonder if you can really take a leap production-wise, productivity-wise, if you can add your voice to the mix. Yeah, because they said it was possible, but they they never showed it. They never showed anything. Right. And tapping on a keyboard, like if I want to answer somebody's text uh, who sent me a message, I, I will see. But like I have a hard time imagining that my preference is going to be to tap on a virtual keyboard instead yeah. of being able to dictate the answer. Yeah. yeah. And, and I, I just, will that be iPhone level or will there be some quirks and interesting things that, may, that elevate it a little bit? Because if you... <laughs> it, Okay, this is a little unfair, but like if you have to break out the keyboard and the trackpad, they blew it, right? Like that you you shouldn't have to do that. Like if you want to be like, "Oh, I need to type a lot." I'm going to bring out a Bluetooth keyboard and go and I'm typing into something and it shows up in the Vision Pro. Great. Mm-hmm. Great. Do that if you need to do that. But like I I 
if I'm tapping things out on the little virtual keyboard inside, ah, like there needs to be some more. So I'm, I'm anyway, I'm curious about how well that integrates and if it's just iPhone level Siri or if there's some extra stuff going on there. I'm digging around on the page. And again, this is nothing wild, but they're like to dictate, you just look at the microphone button and start speaking is one of the things on the page. Yeah, and baby. That- see, see, and we weren't, we didn't get to use that, but like, no. that's the, that's that, that's that um, mind reading thing again. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is you look at the microphone and you give a command and then you look away and it's not, it's not, I don't know. It feels, that feels different to me than having to sort of take a deep breath and, call the assistant to you ahoy telephone i give you a command now right and instead it's sort of like you just look and go this thing and then you move to the next thing and it's just it it becomes part of the user interface that's really interesting depending on how they execute it it's probably not well it's not long now not long now not long now not long no it's uh i love that we don't really understand how the rollout's gonna go that's also exciting but uh but uh, like this month, like weeks away, if not days now, very exciting. This episode is brought to you by Nom Nom. Nom Nom really cares about your dog's digestion. They have a specially extensive pet microbiome database to help create better recipes for every breed, size, and digestive sensitivity. Nom Nom delivers freshly made dog food with every portion personalized to your dog's needs so you can bring out their best. And it's all made with real wholesome ingredients you can see and recognize without any additives or fillers that contribute to bloating and low energy. That's because Nom Nom uses the latest science and insights to make real good food for dogs. Their nutrient-packed recipes are designed by board-certified veterinary nutritionists, freshly made and ship-free to your door jason i have had the pleasure of meeting your lovely dog in fact we'll call upgrade dog you know because they've been present during certain episodes and i think yes yes they were they were and and had to be taken away and consoled by adina at one point too Mm -hmm. so yeah how important is your dog's nutrition it's very important and and uh Maisie, you know in fact what happened is they nom nom ships us some food and then Maisie took it to work with her wait a second that's a different story (laughs) no i got wait i got it Uh, no i i I fed it to her and she and she loved it like i mean again this is that we got when we got her she was malnourished and and it was very important for us to get her good nutrition because she was a rescue and she was on the streets living rough on the streets and um, we just had a year with her, and we have a before and after picture with her, and it's pretty remarkable, the difference. So it's super important. Nom Nom have already delivered over 40 million meals to good dogs like yours, inspiring millions of clean bowls and tail wags. Plus, Nom Nom comes with a money-back guarantee. If your dog's tail isn't wagging within 30 days, Nom Nom will refund your first order. No fillers. No nonsense. Just Nom Nom. Go right now to get 50% off your no-risk two-week trial at trinom.com slash upgrade. That is spelled T-R-Y-N-O-M dot com slash upgrade for 50% off. That is trinom.com slash upgrade. Our thanks to Nom Nom for their support of this show and Relay FM. It is time for some Ask Upgrade questions. I was worried that there could have been a backfiring, you know, because... Well, they had been, to power up. Yeah. It's, they haven't been used in a little while. So they get shut off to save some power. We shut them off at the end of the year, but now they have, they're back. Yep. Back for a new year, powered up, the lasers. Remember, carbon neutral. So we turn them off when they're not needed. Oh, yeah. They're recycled. 100% recycled lasers. Yeah. They just fire around a container. 
<laughs> we just they capture use, them. Yeah, yeah. It's like, uh, yeah, well, it's solar power, so we get the light from there, and then uh-huh. we generate the lasers. Connor asks, I'm looking to upgrade my Intel MacBook Air, and I'm looking at either the M2 MacBook Air or the M3 Pro MacBook Pro. Cost is a factor, but I also don't want to hit a ceiling in a few years. I'm on Zoom all day for work with an external display. Then I use Xcode at night for my side project. I travel about once a month on average, so weight is a consideration, but not a huge one. I'm mostly worried about performance. What do you think Connor should go with, Jason? Well, the key phrases I zoom into here are I use Xcode and I travel about once a month. So weight is not a huge consideration. And I put those two things together and I say, especially since you are coming from an Intel MacBook Air, you could look, you could get an M2 Air and you're going to be fine. You're going to be happy. But you also are concerned about hitting a ceiling in a few years and you're using Xcode and you don't travel every week. You're traveling once a month and you're not desperately concerned about weight. And so I'm going to say MacBook Pro. I think Xcode, the performance is a concern for you, and Xcode means that you're actually using it pretty intensely. So that's where I come down, is I think you could get an Air and it would be fine, but I think you're going to be happier in the long run with the Pro because of that Xcode use and because the weight isn't super sensitive for you. Yeah, while I am definitely uh, team MacBook Air, I do think in this particular circumstance, like if you can stretch to the M3 Pro MacBook Pro, you'll probably get more right. out of it. Yeah, the Xcode was the flag for me. If, it, if yeah. you hadn't said Xcode, I'd been like, you know, the Air is going to be fine. It's going to be good enough for performance and battery, and it's nice and light, and it's fine. Xcode, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, probably you should try to get a MacBook Pro. But the I Pro, do, M3 I do, Pro, like he said. Yeah, I do, I, I do still pause a little bit on and I am one of these people just because how my circumstances ended out, which was using the MacBook Pro with an external display because the display on the MacBook Pro is so good it's almost like you're yeah. robbing yourself of something, which is frust- it's frustrating. I, I can I am still frustrated that Apple have not released a standalone display with the same uh, specs as the MacBook Pro display, know. right? With promotion yeah. and stuff like that. I think it's mm-hmm. you're you're taking this beautiful display and closing it and then plugging it into an inferior display, which is what I do, and so many people do it, and I think it's a shame. But when you do use it. Uh, as a laptop when you're traveling you'll have a great time with that display yeah Darian writes in and says what do you guys think of my prediction given the Mac's 40th anniversary on January 24th and accordingly the anniversary of the famous 1984 Big Brother ad at the Super Bowl combined with the launch of the Vision Pro early early this year what if we combine all of these things together? Apple will revisit that history of another Super Bowl ad that introduces the largest audience on Earth to the new vision of spatial computing while calling back to the Big Brother ad and honoring the 40th anniversary all in one shot. Well, okay, largest audience on Earth doesn't see the ads. They only see the game. So that's the first thing. Um, it is the highest rated, I think, thing. I mean, the Olympics are this year. So I mean, it might the not thing be the highest, is, though, but pretty close. In, in Durin's uh, uh, defense... The ads of the Super Bowl are, are like a, a, an they event are, of they its They are own. an audience unto themselves. That's true. Yes. I think that Apple Super Bowl ad, I think, yes, probably. Tied to the 40th anniversary and the Big Brother ad with Vision Pro. Uh, I mean, it's not impossible that they'll do something like that. I, I would have a hard time imagining the Vision Pro will. I don't know. I think there'll be an Apple Super Bowl ad. Vision Pro may be involved. 
It may not be. They may just be like iPhone. We got to sell more iPhones because the iPhone is where they're going to make their money. But it wouldn't. I. My answer to Darren is maybe. Like I wouldn't bet against it. But it's a very specific prediction, right? I will eat a hat. You'll eat a hat? I will eat a hat if they do a Big Brother ad. Are you kidding me? They are Big Brother now. They are Big Brother. Don't n- Nobody mention Big Brother anymore. Like, that is nobody not... Nobody mentioned Big Brother. They can't do that. Like, the last time we saw the Big Brother ad, and what I think more people living today reference it to, is when Fortnite ripped it off. Yeah. <laughs> About yep. Apple. About Apple. Yep. And I, yeah. I don't... I, 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 I Vision Pro, Vision Pro. I mean, who knows? But I would say, uh, remember the Apple did the thing where they where they put the iPod and the head earbuds in her ears. Do you remember that? Where Apple defaced their own ad? No, I don't remember that. Oh yeah, they did it in the iPod era. They did it. They did a version of the ad where she's wearing the white earbuds. Yeah, yeah but that was still pre-iphone right yeah yeah no i'm just saying that they've they've tread that ground i i don't i don't i don't think i think there will be an apple ad in the super bowl and it might be for vision pro but that's about all as far as i would be willing to go brandon asks what do you think the storage tiers will be for the vision pro i hope there are none (laughs) i hope it's yeah one configuration please don't make me choose right like it should have a lot more than enough it costs three and a half thousand dollars don't make me choose like the only things that should add expense to this are my prescription lenses and any accessories i want to buy yes there should not be multiple storage tiers i think when it starts at 34.99 i agree i think probably not storage tiers and instead you you got to pay for the lenses you got to pay for the cover you got to pay for an extra battery or an extra cable like there are there are accessory issues that you'll pay extra for but i i agree with you i hope and i can't even conceive of what the tiers would be but like the idea of like well for 34.99 you only get 512 but if you're really going to use the storage the disc on uh, the headset then we'll bump it up to a terabyte so, so i have I don't no idea it. why i even what am i doing with it you know what like why would i, mean, I need storage I'm downloading a, it's like downloading a movie TV. but you probably just stream it right so I don't uh, know. yeah i i i hope not i i'm with you i hope not and kevin asks my current television is a 50 inch 1080p plasma instead of dropping thousands on the latest greatest television do you think i should just wait and get a vision pro i live alone so family use is not mm. involved Oh, Kevin. Buy a television, Kevin. Yeah, I think so. Like, I think so. Because then it's just on. You can you can have it when you're cooking dinner, when you're, you know, you're not going to have a thing on your face games, all the time. Right? Like, you know. Like, yeah. You buy a television. On, honestly, if you're really concerned um, about, and you've got a plasma now, like you, you can get an OLED for fairly reasonable. You can get a enormous... Uh, regular non OLED backlit display that does HDR and has local dimming for under a thousand dollars. That's way larger than your current TV. So you could also just get a nice 4K HDR TV and save the rest of your money for a few more years until this all gets shaken out. But I would even if you want to buy a, a a pricey OLED, I would buy a pricey OLED. Buy it, just buy a nice television. Just just treat buy, yourself. Buy a TV nice television, and like maybe treat yeah, yourself. There will be use for a vision, but I I really don't think it's no. going to be the only way you'd want to watch stuff. 
was with that I, on I your can't head? conceive of I can't conceive of that. No. No. And we also don't know the story about like what apps are gonna be there. Cause like it's Disney Bob Iger says Disney Plus will be there, but like right point. is your TV provider gonna be there? Is Netflix gonna be there? Like what's gonna be there? And are the, are those gonna be good? And and the, you get you're gonna be tethered because the battery only lasts so long. Like, don't don't do it. Don't do it. It's too early. There may come a day where we all say, you know what? Single people who never watch media with other people don't even need a TV anymore because of the Vision Pro. I don't think we're there yet, and I don't think this new version, this first version, is going to bring us. To oh, they'll even be like, oh, there's it's it's cheap enough that everyone in the house has one, like a phone, and we can share play and just watch it. Like you know, like there is a yeah, world sure. in which that happens, but sure, we're years Not away, from anytime that. soon. Yeah, right. If you would like to send us in your feedback, follow-up, and questions for Ask Upgrade, you can always go to UpgradeFeedback.com. Until next week, you can check out Jason's work over at SixColors.com, and you can hear him on podcasts here on Relay FM and at the Incomparable.com. What happens next week? Does my, am, I, am I getting fired from Six Colors next week? We'll have to wait what and see. We're on, a, we're, on a, we're on a seven-day rolling oh, contract right I now. Talk to, my, talk to my boss. Talk to your agent. You can listen to me here on Relay FM and check out my work at CortexBrand.com. You can until find next us, week. Until next week. But maybe, and I have to talk to him. Look, it has been known over the, the last... The future is promised to no Can one. Can I just real quick aside? It was one of the uh-huh. weirdest experiences that I've had while listening to a podcast, which was at the end of the episode of the talk show where John Syracuse was on. They were talking uh-huh. about me not being on Upgrade much in December. Huh. And that was a very weird thing to hear mm. people talk about, was like mm. referring to the fact that John stepped in for me and also... I was like, I think they compared me to Johnny Carson, which, ah, was, yeah. which was funny. It was very funny to me. But yeah, that was just like a strange thing. But yes, uh, I'm here now. Uh, you can find mm-hmm. us on Mastodon. Jason is at jsnell on zeppelin.flights. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on mike.social. You can find the show as upgrade at relayfm.social. You can watch video clips of the show there that we produce every week. We have f- loads of really fun clips, the best moments in the show every single week. Uh, but these are also on TikTok and Instagram and YouTube, where we are at Upgrade Relay. Uh, I am on Threads is at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Jason is at Jsnell, J-S-N-E-L-L. Thank you to our members who support us with Upgrade Plus. Thank you to our sponsors, the fine folk over at NomNom, Vitally, and Factor. We'll be back next time. Until then, next time. say goodbye, Jason Snell. Happy New Year, everybody. 